takes the time to stop and smell the roses We're too busy walking around Living our lives But by making the world a more beautiful place, Artemis publishes artists and writers from the Appalachian region of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia and beyond. This is the time when we need to write and make art for the sake of healing our souls and enriching our communities. Welcome to Artemis Speaks. Welcome to Artemis Speaks. I'm Jerry Rogers. Today I'm excited to be speaking with a writer, a composer, whose music you hear in the beginning of our podcast and at the end, it's our theme music, Slow Down. And it's by Jordan Harmon. He creates music with soul that retains a unique style, pulling you in before you know it. You're dancing and singing along to his unique brand of music. I'll never forget eight months or so ago when the podcast was just being born, and I walked into the studio and Skip Brown, my co-producer, said, Jerry, sit down. you got to hear this music. And I, I had no idea, and he put on Jordan's Slow Down. And, of course, I was thrilled, and I thought, is there any way we can get him? He would be perfect for our literary podcast and Skip said, no problem. I'm working with him. I've been working with him for years. So here we are today. And we thought we would take a inside background peek at what makes this podcast and bring Jordan in and talk to him about his music and how he creates and what the process is. You know, we're a literary journal, but we wanted to bridge the gap between what you do, Jordan, and what poets do. I mean, I publish poets, and I deal with a lot of literary types. Of course, music is a big part of my life as well. So I thought in this podcast, we could dig a little deeper and talk to you, Jordan. Uh, just see what your process is about, what made you do what you do. So welcome to Artemis Speaks. Well, thank you for having me. Glad it's to a, be here. It's great to have you. So let's let's dig in. Um, how did your music uh, musical journey begin? Where did it begin? So uh, initially, I mean, my family is always listening to music. I mean, I definitely grew up in a musical family. There were instruments laying around the house everywhere. There were pianos, guitars, drum sets, and um, I mean, both of my folks absolutely adore music, and music was always playing, so it was always around. And um, started taking piano lessons when I was in kindergarten, and then decided that playing basketball was cooler than that, and stopped playing piano. <laughs> and then uh, little did I know, mm-hmm. and then picked up the guitar when I was in middle school, and that was kind of when um, the the love of, of playing guitar and writing began. I remember being in. When you did your intro, I was listening, and I remember being in seventh grade, and we did a poetry unit in school, and there was a like a binder that we had to put together of all these different styles of poetry, and I remember that was kind of when the the light bulb went off of oh okay yeah 
that's how I can bridge that gap. Like that I can, I can make this poetry into music. And that was when, you know, it wasn't like fully fused at that point, but that was when it all kind of made sense that it could all go together. So, um, you know, that was then, and then high school was when I really started writing and, and putting the pieces together. Well, after college, uh, you went on the road, right? I did. Yeah. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. And not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but it's kind of funny. So <laughs> I, I, um, I graduated college and I didn't know what in the world I was going to do. And I got a job selling phones. I was selling <laughs> cell phones. And so, Great. um, I, you know, four years of school to sell cell phones was not exactly the, the grand vision <laughs> that I had. Um, but I, one of my dear friends, a guy named James Pace, uh, was playing with a guy named Tommy Castro out in San Francisco. And I called him up and I said, Hey man, I'm, you know, love to get out of town. He said, well, just jump on the tour bus and we'll hit the road. So I flew out there and did that and, um, met the lead singer of the group, Tommy Castro. And he made the offhanded comment that he would love to have uh, guitar tech on the road. And so I, you know, said, well, this is my end here. You know, I, I don't know as much as I probably should, but I'm going to learn real quick. And so I started doing as much as I could and uh, kind of gave the proposition to him that I would be his guitar tech if I could open shows and travel and see the world. And thankfully he, uh, he bit. And so for the first year, I was getting all my shifts covered at work and not telling my boss that I was leaving and hitting the road for months at a time. And then I would come back and work when I was in town and do that. And so he finally sat me down after about a year of that. And he said, Jordan, look, I know what's going on, man. He was like, as a fan of yours, I hope you quit. As a boss of yours, you got to do something, man. <laughs> I said, well, I appreciate it. And so I, I, you know, talked to my dad about it and ended up writing a song about that whole experience too. But, um, yeah, so, so that was how touring all started and, and I got, uh, got to doing that, had, had a blast. And who are your influencers besides this particular experience? Um, as far as like musically, who are my, sure. my influences? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the people that just opened my mind to how I, I mean, just love of how everything he did was Bill Withers. I mean, that was just a huge influence on me. His, his soul, how he would say something so simply, but say so much in doing it. Like in, and it was very much a voice of the common people, but was so profound in using that language. So Bill Withers was huge. Um, all Motown stuff was huge. And, um, you know, just, just everything that I'm listening to. I, I love hip hop. I love rock and roll. I love everything. And just kind of, it's a melting pot, really. So while you were touring with Castro, mm-hmm. you, you kind of moved up from guitar grip or whatever you were doing, and then you got more into the music scene? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could say that, but I, I was always kept humble too. You know, uh-huh. what I mean, like that it was I was, I was opening all the shows and getting that side of it. But at the end of the day, I was always there to be a guitar tech too. You know that it uh-huh. was, but it was cool. I mean, that was the 
the duality of that was cool in itself. Oh, you got to open up. That's that's a great way to get your music out. Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, I, it was a dream scenario. I couldn't uh-huh. have asked for a better scenario. Uh-huh. Absolutely. 100%. And your former boss applauded you. He, oh, yeah. He, he was fine. Oh, and, the, and he didn't have to fire you. No, no, exactly. <laughs> no, it was it was amicable for sure. Uh-huh. For sure. Well, uh, and then you made the decision to get out of that touring business, right? What led to that and what are you doing now? Well, um you know, life that, uh, (laughs) my, my wife and I, um, decided it was time to have children. And so, uh, she was pregnant and I was on the road and there was, uh, an opportunity to put a resume in at Jefferson center for the, the music lab coordinator. And initially I didn't think it was something that I was that interested in, just for the sheer fact that I'd been working my whole life to be on the road. And that was what I was doing. And I was having a really good time. And so, um, it just didn't seem like the right fit, but then, um, the, the, the guys on the tour, I mean, they had played for years. Tommy's been just, I mean, he is one of the hardest working people I've ever known. And then uh, one of the drummers, his name is Bowen Brown. He played with John Lee Hooker for years and, I mean, they weren't just friends, but they kind of got to be, you know, there were people that had been in the industry that I could look to for answers and they took me under their wing and would show me stuff. And I was talking to them about it and they had a very real discussion with me that, you know, this is, this is the glamorous part. You've had, you know, three, four years of being really fortunate to, to drive around on a tour bus and to play these amazing venues and, you have a really good view of what this life is. And we can tell you from experience, like it doesn't get much better than that. You know, this, this is the pinnacle and you really start to miss your family. You really start missing getting to see your kids grow up and to have an opportunity to be around music, see your family grow and see your wife every day and do those things. They're like, I mean, that is, that's the dream. You know, if you can do that, that's what you should do. And so, um, you know, point blank every day that I walk in, I mean, my, my two little boys are my world and to see them grow every day and to walk through the door and have them say like, dad, I love you so much. You know, I mean, every single time that happens, I have this little thought in my head of, man, I'm glad I made this decision because I don't know that we would have that relationship if I hadn't. And, you know, they're, they're the number one thing in my life. So I'm really, really glad that that's how it all went down. And they grow up fast. I can speak for three children I've had. And before you know it, they're, they're grown and gone. Um, so that, that was a turning point for you. And your current position at the Jefferson Music School is a lab what is tell me what you do and tell us what Jefferson Music School is all about. Yeah, so it's uh, it's the music lab at the Jefferson Center, and it's it's a really awesome program because it's unlike anything that I've ever been around, and also something that I know if I had when I was coming up would have been so thrilled about that you can learn how to function in a recording studio, you learn more about writing learn more about the business of music 
and um, we've got a hip hop course going on right now. And I mean, it's just, it's such a cool program for the knowledge, but it's also amazing because the students get to be around other like-minded students from different places in the community. Like, I mean, they're from Roanoke County, Roanoke City, Salem, Bedford, uh, homeschool, I mean, everywhere. And they get to all be around like-minded students and collaborate in a setting that they wouldn't otherwise. And it's just really cool seeing the friendships that form through that. And, and selfishly for me, it's incredible because I get to see students that are just discovering the magic of music for the first time. And they're not jaded at all by it. There's no attitude about it. You know, it's just that sheer joy of finding music and, you know, that they're not worried about something being more complicated than it needs to be. You know, there's that raw energy of, man, I only got three chords and heartbreak and that's all I need to write an awesome song, you know, and, it, and it's just, there's not too much thinking. It's all, you know, emotion and heart and the way that, it, you know, like the essence of stuff. So it's cool to be around that. Well, hats off to Roanoke City for providing this school. It's an after-school program. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, uh-huh. it's um, so so typically three to seven is when we're open. So yeah, uh huh, uh-huh. wonderful. And to have you as their mentor teacher who's done it, creates music, been on the road. You really, you know, you're perfect for this position. I'm sure they really, really attached to you and, and admire what you've done. It's, it's, I, I feel lucky to be the one there for sure. Absolutely. So you, you were introduced to poetry in middle school, right? And so how does that coincide with music? How do you look at writing poetry and then putting that to music? So, you know, the way that my, the way that I see the whole picture is like this big puzzle and I like the, I'll call it the game of the poetry. I like being able to look at all of my different tools that I have, you know, literary devices, different rhyme schemes. Um, You know, if I want something to be stressed or not stressed and how I can use all of these tools to make the listener feel a particular way. And then on top of all of that, I feel like I'm, I'm really fortunate because I have this, you know, third dimension of the music to put uh, an even stronger color behind it. So even if you don't have the lyrics, you're already feeling a certain way and it just strengthens the lyrical message. And, and so I think that, I mean, that's how I approach it, that it all has to work together. And, um, and, and yeah, the, the music is a very helpful vehicle to push those lyrics. Perfect. And you do a good job. Thank you. <laughs> well, we look at, at Bob Dylan, you know, a songwriter, composer, and he won the um, Nobel Peace Prize. So, you know, that caused quite a ruckus at the time. You know, many people didn't agree with it, but he he is notable for that. And I think often people who are in the literary segment of our society tend to be real strict in how they look at poetry as opposed to songwriting. We can look at the profound influence that the Beatles have. You know, five 
generations from when they first composed their music, people know the words. The, the power of music opens up literary concepts and words to an audience that maybe wouldn't even pick up a poetry book, you know? So there is a certain quality that music brings to words. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with that. I see that every day in the music lab. The the kids, you know, they're in school and they're in English class and they absolutely abhor these things that they're having to learn, you know, literary devices and rhyme schemes. And then they come into the music lab and I say, okay, let, let's learn about this. And there's that initial gut reaction. Oh, man, we do this in school. And I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let, let's let's look at some songs and let's see that all of this is actually in, in the songs that you love. And we go through and that's when they have that connection of, oh, wow. So I'm going to start writing poetry in order to write songs. You know, that that's the connection. And all of a sudden they're excited about all this stuff that has been in school and they realize they can put it to use, write these great poems and now they have a song. As I mentioned earlier, your song, Slow Down, it has become our theme music, and uh, both Skip and I are, are thrilled to have you do that. You really polish this up so beautifully. How did that song come about, and what was your mindset when you wrote it? <laughs> I, I remember writing it. Was, I was actually still in college. I was in my dorm room, and I was... I mean, you know, this dates me and dates the song a bit, but it also shows how it continues forward that, I mean, that was kind of at the the point of cell phones and the internet and all that stuff was just, you know, really hitting its stride. And, you know, I was at that point, I was recording an album. I was working in a coffee shop, going to school full time getting like three hours of sleep a night, trying to do everything and, and juggle it all. And, you know, just being aware of the fact that I needed to be enjoying what was going on all at the same time. And, um, and, and it's just, it's funny when you write something like that, that you have that perspective of it at the time. But I listen to it now, and I think it speaks more to to where I'm at now than it did even then, you know, talking about children, you know, being able to, in the thick of things, be able to remind yourself that it's, you know, this is the time to be enjoyed. And I mean, I guess really any, I mean, time is the one thing that we have no control over. Like you can't, it's, it's a commodity that you can't go buy back, you know? So I think anybody can, can relate to that sense, regardless of children or where you are. And um, like I said, it's just funny to look back and see that things have only gotten busier <laughs> and, and things have only gotten more crazy with technology and all, but it's it's still more than ever important to be very aware of, of time and the precious things. Yes. So. And this last year, the pandemic has forced all of us to come to grips with how we spend time. We've been forced to be at home more and and slow down. And as a publisher of a literary journal, poetry, you really need to slow down to appreciate poetry. And, you know, so I get it. I think 
it just worked so well for us, and we're we're so happy that you agreed to let us use your beautiful song. So, besides teaching and chasing little Indians around all day, what are you working on now? Do you have any time besides all that? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> you make time, right? The, yes. The, 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 it's, uh, it's something you got to do. And uh, for, for me, writing has been really awesome lately because not being on the road, not being worried about supporting anything, it's allowed me to completely go back to the space of just writing for me and not being, I mean, you know, you can say as much as you want to, I create for me, I create for me. And you do that. You can't help but be influenced by, you know, what people are going to enjoy. You know, that that's part of, part of the reality of it. But when something like a pandemic hits and you're not playing for people, you can create music for yourself, right? <laughs> I mean, you go and you practice and you come up with these little riffs that are, are fun. And you're like, oh, man, what if I went there with it? And write songs for four-year-olds that don't care if it's <laughs> commercially viable. You know, you just have fun with it again. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where I'm at with music right now is writing. And when you, when you stop taking it so seriously, more comes out, you know, and... And I think it gets more honest, too. And for me, that's what I really like in an artist is when it seems honest and when it seems believable. And so I think, you know, for me, that's the ultimate goal is to get to that point where it's just comfortable and honest and believable. And I think that that's one of the joys of getting older is you get closer and closer to that place. Hey, I saw you brought a guitar with you. I was wondering if you would play us a little uh, tune you maybe you've been working on recently, and what's the title? Absolutely. So this is one I wrote. I uh, had my two little boys around and um, was just trying to make something that they would dance to. And so th- that's how this whole thing was it came about. And this one, the working title is, is Finn's Tune. child I said I ain't got myself together I'm free and I'm running wild but she waited brown said she only wanted me I said I would be a good father as a happy little family I never knew how much love I had inside until the day we met and I heard your cries but then I held you in my arms Knew deep down inside That you make my heart smile You bring joy to my life I said you make my heart smile You bring joy to my life I said you make my heart smile You bring joy to my life I said you make my heart smile You bring joy for me yeah. You bring joy for all the time When trick-or-treating with your cousins On Halloween Saw all the babies laughing and smiling And I knew that I was finally ready Held your mother's hand In 
waiting on the car ride home I said, now don't you think it's high time that we have one of our own Never knew how much love I had inside Until the day we met Then I heard your cry But then I held you in my arms Knew deep down inside That you make my heart smile You bring joy to my life I said you make my heart smile You bring joy to my life I said you make my heart smile You bring joy to my life I said you make my heart smile You bring joy for me You bring joy for me all the time You bring joy to my life 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 I've been speaking with Jordan Harmon. Thanks again for allowing us to use your wonderful song Slow Down on our podcast series. It's been delightful speaking with you today. I'm Jerry Rogers. Coming to you today from Final Track Studios with my co-producer, Skip Brown. You've been listening to Artemis Speaks. Artemis is a charitable organization now 43 years old and has evolved to be all-inclusive, a journal with essays, poetry, and art. 10% of the journal's sales are donated to a woman's shelter in southwest Virginia. If you're interested in learning more, artemisjournal.org. You can mail us directly, P.O. Box 505, Floyd, Virginia, 24091. The closing music and the opening music you're listening to is Jordan Harmon. And the song is Just Slow Down, a very appropriate comment for the times that we're in. If you want to read, you have to slow down. Artemis Speaks, the podcast, is recorded twice monthly at Final Track Studios in Roanoke, Virginia. All rights reserved and is co-produced by Jerry Rogers and Skip Brown.
Just slow down. 